0: The fact that we live at the bottom of a deep gravity well, on the surface of a gas-covered planet going round a nuclear fireball 90 million miles away, and think this to be normal is obviously some indication of how skewed our perspective tends to be. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts, here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin.
1: Oh, yeah, baby, Douglas Douglas Adams.
0: Adams. Matt, I love that way you did that. I mean, that's a new one.
1: It was, wasn't it? I I did it slightly more enthusiastically this time round.
0: Are you doing it to to re-annoy the person who really hates it when we do that? Yeah, I forgot that's the only reason why we're doing it. <laughs> I wonder if they still listen. Shout out to anyone yeah, who well, gets annoyed by our intros.
1: Um we 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 were literally only doing it to annoy a listener. What what kind of perverse oh, thing is, is that?
0: Oh, so petty of us, isn't it? But but very fun. It's literally mental. <laughs> it actually is very <laughs> psychopathic. It's the um, it's the kind of thing that would happen in a Douglas Adams book. Well, Matt, I tell you what else is incredible. And that's the autumnal equinox, Monday the 23rd. It's coming up. It's, it's coming cu- up. It's coming up. So, am I right in thinking that this is the same? So, equal parts day and night. Am I correct? Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or daylight and nightlight. Beautiful. <laughs> Autumn is a coming. Or, as they say in America, Matt, fall. Oh my God. Look, look at the Look at the leaves on the trees.
1: Oh my God. Fall is so beautiful. Well, I'll tell you what, Jamie, aren't you, in the, aren't you in the country that is most famous for the fall? Oh, my God. Well,
0: uh, correct, Matt. I am in Vancouver Island, and bloody hell, Canada knows how to change the colour of a leaf. <laughs> really does. <laughs> Doesn't it? It does it expertly. It? It... And it produces the best maple syrup in the world. They so, take it very seriously. Oh, as they should. And talking of mm. taking stuff seriously, Matt, you are excited about a film coming out soon, aren't you? Mission Mangal.
1: I think it's already out, and it has been out oh. for a while. But yeah, but I, I saw the trailer for it, and it was something that uh, Gurbeer Singh, who was on the show uh, a few months ago, said was in the pipeline, and, and he was only right.
0: Definitely interested. Chandran in that. two
1: being in the news, and, everything. and you're going to yeah. see
0: Adastra, I believe. Without me,
1: I am going to go see Adastra. What kind of snacks do
0: you take in the cinema, Matt?
1: Uh, I always have a mix of salty and sweet popcorn. Uh, You go the mix. Ah, yeah.
0: See, I'm always sweet popcorn because I, I used to do the mix, but then I always found it was like, it just wasn't enough of a ratio. It was always more salty than sweet. Not into that. I can't think that it's
1: particularly healthy to eat <laughs> like a massive bucket. <laughs> definitely not. But hey, you know, <laughs> we're young, we're young yeah, fit yeah. men, aren't we? So, you know. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You no, with your I karate tour-
0: tournaments and me with my marathons. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It doesn't bother us. Well, I'm
1: either doing karate or parkour. It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Ad Astra, we, It's it's gone down very well in the Discord. It's gone down very well. So... I, I'm looking forward to it. It's apparently a bit of a, a slow moving film, but and we're not to take the space science too literally. But no. when can you? When can you, oh, Jamie? When God. can you? I mean, chill out, everyone.
0: So, Matt, 21st of September 2003, mm-hmm. what are you saying? I'm
1: saying that's when we had one of those famous space probes plunged into the atmosphere of a planet, and this time wasn't cassini it was galileo galileo spacecraft
0: terminated terminated
1: mm. and if you want to hear more about galileo we did a we did a podcast called galileo 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 about well, galileo, extremely, galileo extremely clever and galileo yeah. yeah it was wasn't it it was very clever yeah. jamie another thing that was uh, popped up in the discord yeah and he's been doing the rounds quite a bit i've noticed this story's uh gathered pace a little bit this week. okay way. and that is the story of the space line space line huh a space line yeah yeah what's yeah. it all about well you know how we've always worried about how on earth we get around the rocket equation the oh. tyranny of the rocket equation that old chestnut yeah which, if you're unfamiliar with it, which I'm sure most of our listeners aren't, it's essentially that a rocket has to launch and carry the fuel to use to carry the payload, then needs to carry more fuel to carry that fuel, then needs to carry more fuel to carry that fuel, yeah. and then needs more fuel to carry that fuel, All right, etc., etc., etc. So there's been a few sort of ideas to get around that. And my favourite being the orbital ring, which we discussed with old Isaac Arthur a few months ago. That was ace. Um, But this one is based on the space elevator. That's right. Which allows a payload to climb into space, so it doesn't need to take its fuel with it. Of course, the infrastructure for a space elevator is pretty insane. And of course, if it breaks... You get this mega strong super long cable smashing down and whipping and wrapping itself around the yeah, world.
0: That sounds both expensive and very dangerous.
1: It's carnage. Oof. Anyway, a couple of brain boxes think they've uncovered a solution to this. Oh, here we go. Or at least put some numbers to the solution that's been sort of bubbling under for a few decades now. And they call it the space line. The space and they line, think okay. Now they've crunched the numbers that this is perhaps an idea that's been underestimated or overlooked, but actually oh. has some legs and needs serious consideration. Okay, here we go. So, yeah, spaceline is a concept that's similar to the space elevator. Um, but the authors of the paper have gone into quite a bit of detail about the raw materials needed, and the maths, right? So this is Zephyr Penori and Emily Sanford from Cambridge University and Columbia University, respectively. And this appears in Archive, the Cornell University um, Archive. Um, So what's the concept? So a space elevator, right, is a cable that goes up from the Earth with a massive, huge counterweight at the other end so you imagine when you're standing on the beach and you've got a kid and you're swinging them around like parents do with their kids, you know, when you do that spinning around. Okay. And you basically, they they sort of fly off in one direction. It's a bit like that. As the earth spins, it's got this counterweight on the end of a cable. Oh, please don't spin any kids that aren't
0: yours and let them go on beaches.
1: No, no, don't do that. You only Just do a, it to just your a own, metaphor. Just, just your own kids and maybe your nephews and things yeah. like that. <laughs> Anyway, it's slightly different the space line because instead of a cable going up from the Earth, and as we said, that's it requires ridiculous amounts of uh, engineering. This cable dangles from the Moon, so it's like it's 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 starts at the Moon and dangles into Earth's gravity well, but only to the depth of geostationary orbit. So it sort of dangles down and doesn't go all the way. So it's just dipped in but that's sufficient for it to sort of be in earth's gravity well quite a long way into earth's gravity well and that's yeah. pulling the cable t- tight essentially um but because of the low spin and the uh, there's no centrifugal and coriolis effects that are going to damage your cable or you don't really have to take that much into consideration so the cable on a on a space elevator basically has to be incredibly strong to hold this counterweight and hold I would basically have just a so, hold yeah. yeah just to hold its own weight because it's massive the cable obviously just to hold its own weight you require basically exotic materials now it turns out that carbon nanotubes will do the job uh, they they've got the tensile strength required but we're just many many decades away from the ability to manufacture it into a large cable i.e. right now we're making carbon nanotubes that are tiny microscopic lengths and we're using them in chips and things like that so they're very exciting right now however they're not exciting as a sort of large building product just yet so um of course in recent studies as well they've shown that these carbon nanotube cables are only really strong enough if they're pretty much perfect, and we're talking down to the molecular level of p- perfection. So Blimey. the thought of making something that good is highly unlikely. However, with, the, uh, with this space line, they've done the maths, and it turns out that there's already materials that you could make into long cables available. Kevlar, Dynama, and Xylon would all be strong enough to make this cable, this, um, this space line cable. Blimey, do you think they're going to give that a go? Well, well, this is, what the, this is what the authors have gone into. So, of course, it's not going to be as good as a space elevator for staff because at the end of the day, you've still got to launch a rocket up to geostationary orbit, but apparently you don't quite need as much fuel as to get into geostationary orbit. I'm not quite sure why, so, but you can basically get to geostationary orbit where you can get to this cable... And then, once you're at the cable... And remember, getting to geostationary orbit still requires some of the world's biggest rockets, like Ariane 5 and all that lot. So, But anyway, you've got to geostationary orbit. Now your payload can basically climb out of Earth's gravity well on the cable using solar power or whatever, but it just climbs up, doesn't need fuel. Climbs up that cable, up the gravity well, gets to the Lagrange point, and then slight. Yes, and then slides down the cable to the surface of the moon. So the brilliant bit, I think, of the idea is – is and, and this idea has apparently been around and there's lots of people worked on it, Pearson, Eubanks, Radley, all those sort of people – is the moon, of course, is tidally locked, which means that the face of the moon is always pointing at the earth, the, yes. same, the same face. We never see the far side of the moon. So the cable – isn't swinging around on the moon it's 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 almost like imagine that the earth is underneath the moon and the cable is dangling down from the moon and then the earth is just slowly rotating underneath it and it takes one lunar month to to sort of rotate underneath and i guess that you can kind of visualize this big cable in a kind of slow-moving river as it sort of as the earth gently rotates underneath it
0: God that's so, nuts.
1: I'm trying to imagine it in my head. So yeah, yeah, so uh, yes, because the because of the face of the if you just sort of have the moon as a static object overhead and this and this cable dangling down. It's not quite like that because it has to dangle up the moon's gravity well then dangle down into the earth's gravity well. But it's kind of that. Um but it's a straight drop anyway down into earth's gravity well. And the 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 really genius bit actually the authors are really keen to point this out and and a lot of the news articles didn't really go too much into this but the lagrange point Has some, it's got some major benefits there because at this Lagrange point, normally the Lagrange points are a bit unstable. So when you've Mm. got a spacecraft there, you still need to do station keeping to stay in that spot. So any any things, any spacecraft we sent to these Lagrange points need to have station keeping uh, rockets and stuff. Apart that, there are Lagrange points where you don't need that, but this particular one, L one, you do. Uh, and so the presence of the cable itself would mean actually you've suddenly made the, this L1 Lagrange point stable, that you've actually got this place where now you can build a whole bunch of infrastructure around it and actually have a massive base, a manufacturing base and a, an experimental base at this L1 Lagrange point where the cable goes through. And so, that is so yeah. nuts. Yeah. And so you can, you know, do special types of experiments there because the Earth and Moon's gravity is totally balanced there. And plus, as we know from last week's genius, that it's the, it's the node into the interplanetary superhighway or one oh, of the nodes into the interplanetary, super, inter, interplanetary superhighway. So Lagrange Point's an important place and, and this cable kind of opens it up a little bit. So Matt, let me ask you a question then.
0: Mm-hmm. How
1: big mm-hmm. is this initial cable? So the authors of the the, yeah the authors of the paper kind of want to sort of do a cable that demonstrates the whole principle, and they looked at a few designs. So there was one straight one, a tapered one, and then a hybrid tapered one. So it's it's sort of tape it it gets thicker and then thinner again. So uh, the 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 hybrid tapered one ends up being the best design for this particular purpose, and. They want to make this first one as thick as pencil lead. So imagine the lead in a pencil, Hmm. it's going to be that thick. Okay, so this is just so I can't imagine it can hold too much payload, but the point is to demonstrate that you can that that it it actually works. That it can now, they've estimated that the cost of building this would be about. It would be millions of pounds, and, and overall it would cost billions to actually make and launch and put mm. it into action. But not in the undoable billion range is basically what we're talking about. We're not in the kind of what-the-hell type of money. We're actually talking into feasible amounts of money, right? Yeah. And even more exciting, which I was quite amazed, that if you've made this out of xylon, for example, and it's this absolutely massively long cable, think it's like you know almost two hundred thousand mile long cable.
0: Mm.
1: When it's all wrapped up, it's it's only about twice as heavy as the Eagle Lunar Lander. Oh, really? So we Yeah. So we know that we've got the technology to actually get that thing up into space. So Definitely. we've actually got the technology to do this. It's whether we've got the kind of, you know, wherewithal to do it, inclination to do it. Would
0: people be upset, Matt, just playing devil's advocate, would anyone be upset about a big cable
1: dangling down constantly there? Are you, I'd Well, you wouldn't be able to see Photo- it. You wouldn't be able to see it. Cause you wouldn't be able to see it? No way, because it's only a pencil lead thick. I mean, maybe, no, I mean, even then you wouldn't be able to see it even silhouetted against the moon or anything, would you? It'd just be, it'd be totally invisible, almost like the, the geostationary satellites are invisible anyway, and they're would much it get,
0: bigger. Would it, another devil's advocate question, would it get broken
1: or or would anything get tangled in it? Well, yeah, I think, I think we'd have to look at like the safety issues of it. So, yeah. I mean, that's the big one with the space elevator because if that thing goes, then you are talking serious damage absolutely everywhere. Mm. But it'd be interesting to see what the serious damage of this one would be if the cable snapped. I mean, I'm assuming it, the cable, I suppose the cable could fall down to Earth, but if it's only the weight of a, if it's only twice as heavy as the Eagle Lunar Lander, that particular cable, then it would probably just burn up in the atmosphere, wouldn't it? It wouldn't I mean, be that you big have thought a deal. So. Yeah,
0: um,
1: yeah. That's a, it's a good point though. So, uh, the 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 people in the article they did they they kind of these were their kind of points that it it brings down the cost of transport from geostationary orbit to the moon, which is a good thing. That's a yes. that's a bonus. It makes the motion easier to go from the earth to the moon. So obviously when you're navigating in 3D space, it can be a little bit tricky, but once you're on the line, it simplifies the navigation. You know, you're just being dragged to the moon there. You don't have to worry about turning, turning left up and down and all that kind of malarkey. It's also pretty useful for hauling stuff off the lunar surface and dropping stuff down. It makes that whole process cheaper. There's, just like the Apollo missions, the technology payoff of taking something like this, an undertaking like that, would be huge. And the real big one for me is the Lagrange base camp idea. I mean, that Ooh. that is really exciting, isn't it?
0: I tell you what, Matt. If I went up to the Lagrange base camp, uh, could I get a zip? Could I just get one of those zip wire things and just just go down it? Yeah. You actually just could jump, just <laughs> jump on I the cable. Just
1: jump on the cable. See you back at yeah. Earth, boys. You'd go really slowly at first, and then you'd start to sort of build up a bit of speed. You'd probably have to push off actually, yeah, and then you'd slowly. You get, could push me see. off. Yeah, I and mean, it's exactly. I, I mean, the, the thing is, it, it it's like when you. Start thinking of planets sitting on a rubber sheet and them being pulled down and creating wells. It's yeah. like you're you're at the top of the sheet and it's just that little nudge over the top of the sheet and yeah, you just go whizzing in. So you could you could even do it where you did it like the coin in those in those things that whiz round the coin when you put it at the science museum. Oh yes. <laughs> well,
0: that might make me feel a bit queasy, but
1: I'm into it. Particularly that last bit where he goes, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then you imagine. <laughs> so yeah, I I really like the I really like the idea, and I like the fact that there's people out there still doing this kind of research. I mean, imagine if if they suddenly did the maths and it, and it wasn't that expensive, and then they went, well, let's let's forget about Artemis and let's do this. Yeah, exactly. It's not too late. No, it isn't too late. But it's, if you can it's think a good of anything any, about science, like, oh, if, isn't it, Matt? Yeah. Oh, that is the good thing about science. The good thing about science is you don't you don't have to believe it. It's just always true. <laughs> it's just always true. Yeah, exactly that.
0: Or and tries you to You can true, keep at changing least. your mind, which is great, isn't it? There's no like Yeah. Yeah, yeah There's yeah. no like mm-hmm. hard and fast rule of anything. It's like, "Oh, if this works better, we will we'll do that." Yeah. Scientific evolution. Talking of evolution, Matt. Yeah. I'm going to throw something out at you, and it's called the largest neutron star. Yeah, this is this has been a big story this week as well. What's the, what's the average neutron star? How
1: how big is that compared to our sun? That's a very good place to start. It's one point. Well, I think on average they're about one and a half times the mass of the sun. Right, maybe a little bit less, but this one is two point one seven times heavier. There's a little Jeez. bit of an error with that but they're fairly confident it's it's definitely it's almost certainly over two times heavier than the, the sun so it's that's this big. is very very big very very big we should we should definitely quickly go over what what even neutron stars well, are we should when there's a star which is like 10 or 30 times bigger than our sun for example our sun won't ever go into a neutron star it's just not big enough no as it collapses you know when ice skaters do their spinning, and then they yes. bring their arms bring in that, and yes. they go very, very fast. Imagine when a star collapses. Obviously, it's spinning because of this conservation of angular momentum. They call it as as it as it shrinks, it spins faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. Mm. And so they start spinning very, very fast. That's that's one thing that happens. Uh, and as and as they get crushed down they create these m- massive magnetic fields and then these go as it's spinning on its axis you might you might be in one of the beams of light that's coming out of, of radiation oh yeah and and that radiation was first discovered by Jocelyn Bell so that was – she was the first person that saw one of these things. Up until then, they'd been completely theoretical, and it was like suddenly it's like, ooh, now maybe these things aren't theoretical. I mean, they're, they're extraordinary objects, man. They are just totally bonkers uh, because by the time they're spun up, these things are spinning like massive. Imagine something that, that used to be 10 to 30 times bigger than the sun spinning around so it's spinning around thousands of times a second – uh, the surface of it, by this point, is, go- is going almost a quarter of, the, quarter of light speed. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> That's how fast it's spinning. And the gravity at that point will be about 10 to the 11 times Earth gravity. So it's yeah. absolutely crushing down. But as it's crushing down, the reason why it's getting so dense – so you, you, we're all familiar, right, with atoms and normal matter. So oh, normal yeah. matter – You've got a nucleus, and you've got this swarm of electrons whizzing round. And one of, I think, one of my favourite facts is the fact that the nucleus is like a football in the middle of a stadium, and the electrons are all whizzing way outside the stadium. So pretty much matter itself is virtually not there. You know, when you touch the table, it's virtually nothing apart from. Let's not go down this route again. It? Yeah, I know it's so weird. So, so, so it's just matter is very, barely even there, with the exception of neutron stars, which are really there. I mean, this is matter that's just full on matter. So, they most of the kind of uh, electrons and. All the sort of charged parts of the atom have gone. Mm. The protons and the electrons have kind of been forced out. And these, the neutrons, which don't have a charge, are all getting crushed together. And they literally almost as if the star itself is becoming the nucleus of an atom. So it, it's becoming just this most ridiculously dense um, object. Now, it would collapse even further if it wasn't for this uh, thing called degenerate pressure. Or neutron de- degenerate pressure that was predicted by Pauli exclusion principle, which we talked about when we were disc- discussing the stars. I think we did a special episode That's on right. the sun, and I'm sure I'm sure we cover this about how they think how they did. end how they end their life. Um, and of course, if that mass gets too big, if it's if it's big enough, it will collapse into a black hole because the fabric of space time just gets so distorted you uh, you know uh, anything going in can't get out and that at that point it has become a black hole and no one really understands what the hell's going on because you get um these infinities in the equation the singularity you know i love
0: you know i love talking about the black holes
1: uh, so yeah black oh. but so but one of the other things of course that prevents them collapsing into a black hole is the fact that they're spinning. So obviously they're spinning, so the so there is some kind of centrifugal force or centripetal force pushing outwards. You know, if they spin too much, they can all fall apart. But mm. the gravity is so massive, they're not, even though these things are spinning just insanely fast. So that's another thing that stops them from collapsing into a black hole. So when they are spinning, obviously sometimes they start to lose uh, energy through gravitational waves and things like that, and, and eventually they might actually collapse into a black hole. And I imagine that that's what will happen to this one because it's just so big. Oh, I'd love to see something in graphics. It's hard oh, to there get is. head around there, there, otherwise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's imagine this. It's a it's a it's something that it that weighs you know over twice the, the twice the mass of the sun. Right, and it's been squeezed down to the size of Guildford, like 19 miles across. You know, it's been mm. si- you know squeezed down to the size of Brighton. It started off as the size of the sun, and now it's just a city, and it's spinning at, at 2.89 milliseconds. <laughs> it, it's Like it, it and so it, it's just frightening, and it's just about hanging on to being. An so that kid that space. you're spinning
0: around at the beach is now, I mean, that now it's
1: really fast. So don't let yeah, go. It, I reckon it yeah. If, if you did let go at those kind of speeds, I think they would be flying off into space. That'd be a that'd Vienna, be achieving yeah. that'd be achieving escape velocities. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. um yeah, but this particular one, this particular one is called, you'll like this, Jamie, it's called J0740 plus six six two oh. Oh my god! That I mean, it is was discovered. Yeah, it's it was discovered in 2012. You'd have thought they would have come up with a better name, wouldn't you? I know. Just give it a name. What's wrong with these? Give people? it a name. Give it a name like behemoth. Exactly. Or gargantuan. Or behemongargantuan. <laughs> That's the one. Something like there that. There go. Something yeah. like that. Do it, yeah. Or neutrony macneutron face or something. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, Discovered 2012, and it's been described by the astronomers at the Green Bank Telescope. And get this for an ace name. The name is Thankful Cromartie. Right. Yeah, you heard me. Thankful Cromartie is the name of the lead author on this particular paper. And they've done years of research, years of crunching down numbers wait, to try and minute, get, to get this mass. Yes. Their first name is Thankful. <laughs> yeah. That's so good, isn't it? I, I, wow. I couldn't work out what was going on when I was reading the paper at one point. Hi, I'm it was thankful. Like, I mean, wow, that is some hippie I, I, gen, gen, Genuinely thought it's because they thought they were, they were lucky. It was yeah. like a thankful Cromati said. It's like, no, no, thankful Cromarty, No, thankful's the name? Well, blimey. Mm. And Scott Ransom is <laughs> another Scott one Ransom. from the list. Scott Ransom, which is a pretty cool name as well. Like a pair he of cops, aren't like, they? Like, good, Good cop, yeah. bad cop. Thankful Cromartie and Scott Ransom
0: on the case. Now, in its payback. There
1: are so many researchers on this paper. This clearly took a lot of number crunching and skill. But they interestingly used this thing called Shapiro time delay because the science okay. of time delay doesn't care about your feelings. What's incredible about this particular pulsar or neutron star, is that it's a binary with a white dwarf star. So it's actually a little okay. binary system. So there's these two beautiful objects in space, one crazy bizarre and one beautiful little white dwarf, all spinning around. It's a bit like you and me, isn't it? I'm a, I'm a neutron star and you're a white dwarf. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> What's wrong with you, man? You're the white dwarf, if anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did say, you know, it was beautiful, Jamie. Oh well that's okay. I forgive you. I wonder if there's any stars with seven white dwarfs around it. It's a binary system and and the really cool thing about this is using this Shapiro time delay. What happens is as and it's really lucky as well that the white dwarf happens to transit in front of this neutron star in our field of view. So that's pretty lucky as well. So that as is. it as, so as it as it comes in front it actually interferes with the with the the light coming off the pulsar so this pulsar is like whizzing around and sending beams of light at us that we're measuring but this white dwarf as it goes in front will actually deflect it slightly using its own gravity and from that using like 5 years of data you can crunch the numbers and work out how much that white dwarf weighs how much the what mass that white dwarf has, and how much it's bending the light by, and, and why it's interfering with that light. And then at that point, because you know the mass of the white dwarf, because it's a binary system, you can now quite easily work out the mass of the pulsar itself, because Jeez. you know all these other orbital mechanics. Yeah. So they were able to work out, thankfully, they have this, they have this white dwarf to, to sort of give them the measurement of how heavy this pulsar is how massive this pulsar is. I keep saying heavy, but we wow. shouldn't use that those terms. No. Um, there's quite a lot of error in this measurement, but they do know that this thing is absolutely massive. But the authors point out that they can get that accuracy much greater if they use um, Chime, which is another telescope. Ah, yes. And uh, if they do daily measurements for a year, they should be able to get it really, really quite accurate. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? I'll tell you what else is cool. Would you like a stat? Go on, give me a stat. There are probably
0: about a hundred million of these things just in the Milky Way
1: alone. What do you think about that? It's so cool, isn't it? They're, it's I, just insane. You know, n- neutron stars are amazing. The, the weirdest thing there's some neutron stars that we that we possibly can never see because if they if they're not particular if, if they don't have like giant magnetic fields and are not and are not pulsars, then then they actually aren't sort of visible to us. So, because they're not really that, I mean, they're quite hot, but nothing like a star. They've got no sort of internal energy. So, so, they, so there's quite a few that you can't even see, even though Hubble has picked up some of the really close ones, further away ones you won't ever be able to see. Isn't that interesting? God, that is nuts. It's kind of like me, because I'm quite hot,
0: but I'm not a star. I mean, I'm not like a celebrity. Or am I? Maybe I am. I mean I mean this podcast game, you
1: know? It's pretty lucrative, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's very lucrative, I must admit. Talking uh, of lucrative Jamie. Oh yeah. What could uh listeners do if they've really enjoyed our deep dive into Spaceline and Massive Neutron Stars? By the way, both stories were on the Discord channel and that's why I did them because they they piqued my interest. Thank you very Absolutely much. Thank you very much, interest. patrons on the Discord, who are just well, legends and I love if, them. If you want to join this elite crew
0: who make it possible for us to do this, but not just that, they're part of the show, aren't they, Matt? They are. Well, they, they, they massively shaped this one. Oh, hugely. So what you need to do is get yourself over to our website, which is www.interplanetary.org dot uk and there you will see a whole host of options social media go and follow us on ig that's instagram grandma and then uh you know head over to patreon and work out how you can donate because this is a free show we don't we don't charge for it so if you can help us with a little donation it means that we can keep doing it you know that'd be so amazing um Matt, what have we still got our merch store? Can people still which, buy interplanetary yeah. t-shirts, mugs,
1: clocks, lunch boxes? You can buy all sorts of things. you can buy cups, mugs, pillowcases, tote tote bags, clocks pillowcases. I, I need a pillowcase. I might do a special on just my face and you can have that. Matt, one. <laughs> could we
0: do? Could we do? Could we do this? Mm. Could we say this week because we're feeling happy and, and good and thankful? See what I've done mm-hmm. there? Uh, I would like to offer a T-shirt or a mug to anybody who goes to our Instagram account who's not already a follower. You have to go and follow us on Instagram and put a comment there saying why we should be giving you the mug or the T-shirt. And you need to use the hashtag Interplanetary Comp. That's interplanetary, C-O-M-P. And uh, we'll pick a winner next week and send them out a T-shirt or a mug. Do you like that idea? Wow, I love that idea. Was that just on the fly? Just on the fly. It's yes. just just something I do. I forgot that I'm a marketeer by day. And by <laughs> night, I'm a celebrity neutron star. <laughs> <laughs> ah.
1: With me, oh, the white dear. dwarf, spinning around So there you. we go.
0: So you, you too could have this esteemed
1: merchandise. That's all you have to do.
0: Actually, go on to do you Instagram.
1: Know, get involved. I've just thought... I just thought, Jamie, do you know what? The white dwarf is probably bigger than the neutron star. Oh, glory. So, so I, I, Wasn't so, an it pro- insult so, at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's that, isn't that, isn't that odd? Jamie, before we go, I should we should I there's one bit of um there's a launch that everyone should look out for, oh, I yeah. think, th- this week. And that's the launch of a crew up to the ISS. Oh. We should, really? on the 25th of September see the last Soyuz FG, before it uh, is replaced, um, taking MS-15, which is going to be Oleg Skripushka, who's obviously a cosmonaut. you got Jessica Mir, who is having her premiere uh, into (laughs) space from NASA. And really excitingly is Hassa Almanzori, who wow. is flying under the flag of the United Arab Emirates. So that was wow. one flight that we talked about a long time ago. Who They got bumped off when there was that Soyuz mishap, but they are. But uh, he's getting his flight. And Sultan Al-Nayyadi is his backup crew, so I don't know whether he'll ever get a flight. So he must be sitting there going, please get ill, please get ill, please get ill. Probably not. He's probably more professional than that. Well, it might swing his way. So it so might swing his way. A swing, yeah. See what I That's did Helen there? Sharman, yeah. Well, Helen Sharman, it, it was apparently they didn't really know until a couple of days before. Oh, Jamie, actually, I saw and I can't remember where I read this, but they've um, they've been um, upgrading the Russian Sokol uh, spacesuit, and the new manufacturers didn't know. Did, did basically, it's not in the spec. That they need flies so that you can do the Gigarin weeing on the wheel of the bus before you get on the soil. right, and so that th- they left it out. So it looks like that that tradition might not be able to be done anymore. Uh-huh. And everyone's like moaning, he goes, "Well, you should have put it in the spec." We'll put it in the spec, you idiot. <laughs> should have put it in the specs. Ah, oh. <sighs> well. We so, need yeah, to that- get
0: Helen, we need to get Helen back on the the potty. We miss her. Um, yeah. So maybe we'll reach out to her and get get her thoughts on all of this. Yeah, well, I, in
1: fact, we, we need to ask her how she actually performed that particular ceremony. Well, we might should. Be, it might be a bit awkward.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. But that's okay. Hey, Matt, you know what we've done? What? We've done a podcast that is around 40 minutes long. That's not bad, is it? That's not bad for us, actually, is it? Last week's podcast was the hardest podcast ever. You... You sounded very... I've never heard you sound more tired. I was really tired. I could barely And I've speak. heard you tired before. Yeah, you could... Yeah, you were just like yeah, a I shell of a man. It's true. true. This is true. Right, Matt, I'm off to uh, start a band called
1: Thankful. What are you up to? I'm just about to be reunited with my family. But the podcast comes first. There we go. Perfect. Right, okay. Right.
0: Bye-bye, Spodcats. Goodbye, everyone. Ta-ta! bye